Welcome everyone um, tonight. We're going to be having our AGM later, but before that, we're actually going to be starting uh, looking at some parables that Jesus told over the next four weeks. Some of these well-known parables, his stories, starting with tonight, the parable that we just read about, the parable of the Pharisee in the tax collector. Um, but before we start, I'll pray for us. Father, uh, we thank you so much for your word. We pray now that as we open it up, you would speak to us through me. Um, pray that you would help us to see uh, our need for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Uh, many years ago, a French guy by the name of Charles Blondin uh, actually walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Um, he, he wasn't the first person to do it, pretty sure. But on a pretty blustery day, witnessed by a few thousand people, Blondin, he walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And as the story goes afterwards, um, he was going to give it another go. A guy asked him to do it, this time pushing a wheelbarrow. Um, and he asked the crowd, well, do you really think I can do it? And, he, and they said... Yeah, we think he can. They said, well, okay, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? You see, if you were going to be pushed across Niagara Falls on a tightrope in a wheelbarrow, you'd want to trust the guy that was doing it, wouldn't you? Trust is important. The trust is a thing that can be uh, get you into lots of trouble if it's misplaced. <laughs> You see, the important thing is not always how much trust you have, but what that trust is in. You want to put your trust in things that are trustworthy. Well, in Luke 18, which you should have in front of you, if you've got one of the sheets there, open up to Luke 18. In Luke 18, Jesus tells a story to people who Luke says trust in themselves that they're righteous. See, here are people who are trusting that on their own, they're right with God. They're trusting in themselves that they're right with the God who made the universe, the God who holds their very life in his hands, the God who will decide their eternal destiny. See, here is something in which you want to know that your trust is not misplaced. I wonder, do you trust that you're right with God? Well, if you do, is your trust in something worthy of trust, or is it misplaced? Well, to people who Luke describes as trusting in themselves that they're right with God, Jesus tells this story, and it's a story about two men who go up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector. You read here about the Pharisee, Jesus describes him. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get. See, this man, the Pharisee, he's confident. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Thanks that I'm pretty good. And he was. You see, in this day, the Pharisees were the good guys. They were serious about keeping God's law. See, when it came to keeping God's law in Jesus' day, he didn't get any better than a Pharisee. He says here, I fast twice a week. 
Now, the law actually required people to fast. So on a particular day each year, the Day of Atonement, the whole of the nation of Israel was to fast. That is, one day a year. This guy says he fasts twice a week. He does over a hundred times what is required. This guy is good. He says he pays a tithe of all that he gets. Now, a tithe, that's just, he gives a tenth of everything that he gets. And Jesus talks about the Pharisees in other places in the Gospel. So in Luke chapter 11, he, he mentions in, that the Pharisees, they used to tithe mint and rue and every other kind of garden herb. Pharisees were so concerned about trying to keep the law of tithing that they'd go out into their garden and they'd rip off every tenth leaf and give it to God. They were so keen to fulfil all righteousness that that's what they would do. This guy is good and he's serious about keeping God's law. He's not just good, he's squeaky clean good. He's like the guy in your class who, when the lecturer says, I want you to read chapter 2 of this textbook, says... Actually, I've already read the whole thing. In fact, I, I googled the author online, found their webpage, and I asked them a couple of questions about some problems I was having in chapter 13, but I've got that sorted out now. This guy was good, but self-reliant. But what about the second man? He's totally different. Verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, he is anything but confident. He won't even look up to heaven. He says, God, I'm bad. And he was. He says, God, I'm a sinner. And he was. He was a tax collector. Now, at the time in history when Jesus was was telling this story, the the Jews were actually under the control of the Romans. And as part of that, um, they used to have to pay tax to Rome. And the the Jews were a pretty proud bunch of people, and they hated being under Roman authority and Roman control. And if it wasn't bad enough that they had to pay tax to Rome, what was worse was that the Romans were actually employing fellow Jews to collect the tax. See, tax collectors, they were traders. And they weren't just traders, they were rip-off merchant traders. See, they would force the people to give them the tax, but they were also using the authority of the Roman um, Empire. They'd force people to give them whatever else they wanted as well. Tax collectors were bad and everybody knew it. You know, like you see those stories on 60 Minutes or A Current Affair where you have con men who go around exploiting other people for their own gain? You seen those? Well, tax collectors were like that, only they were worse because they got away with it. Tax collectors were bad and this tax collector comes to the temple. He comes before God and he says, God, I'm bad. And he was. And everyone knew he was God. So you have the Pharisee, he comes to God. He says, God, I'm good. And you've got the tax collector who comes before God and he says, God, I'm bad. And he pleads with God for mercy. But the surprising thing is what 
Jesus says next in this story. Have a look at verse 14. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, that is the tax collector, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Jesus says that the tax collector went home right with God and that the Pharisee did not go home right with God. What's going on here? How can Jesus say this? Well, the Pharisee, he stands before God and he compares himself to other people. Listen to it. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. The Pharisee says, God, surely I'm good enough for you. I haven't robbed anyone. I haven't committed adultery. I'm better than others around me. Surely I'm good enough for you. That's easy to do, isn't it? It's easy to compare ourselves to other people. It's easy to think that, oh, I'm okay because I'm better than such and such. It's easy to do that because you can always find someone who's worse than you are. Do you find yourself doing that? Do you ever fall into the trap of comparing yourself to other people? Do you find yourself looking down at other people because they don't meet your standard? Have you looked down at others with pride in your heart because you think that you're better than they are? Well, that's easy to do, and that's what the Pharisee does here. But he doesn't compare himself to what God considers to be good enough. See, God's standard for what is good enough is absolute perfection. You don't earn brownie points with God for doing the right thing. That's only what God expects. That's the bare minimum. You're not somehow better off with God for loving the people around you. We ought to love people. That's the minimum. That's what God expects. See, do you think the government is going to give you money for obeying the road rules? I mean, they, they fine us when you do the wrong thing, but they're not going to pay you for doing the right thing, right? That's merely what they expect from you. They expect that you will obey the road rules. See, the Pharisee, he boasts that he's better than others and he thinks that somehow that's going to impress God. He thinks he's right with God. He's trusting in himself and his own works that he's right with God. His trust is in himself. But what about the tax collector? Well, he doesn't look around for someone worse than him. He just saw that before God, he was guilty. He saw that he needed God to rescue him. He says, God, I'm bad, and I need your help. Please have mercy on me. And so he begs God for mercy, knowing that he doesn't deserve it. And the amazing thing is that God says, yes. God shows this man mercy, and he goes home right with God. Now, outwardly, it might seem like the Pharisee is a good guy. 
But Jesus says of the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, he says, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, the Pharisee is not really doing the things he's doing because he cares about relationship with God. He does it so he can feel better about himself, so he can feel morally superior. Can you imagine how your parents would feel if you kept all their rules but you didn't care about them? You know, you, you keep your room clean, you do your chores, you, if you just stay in your room, you ignore them. You don't speak to them. I mean, you might eat the meals they cook, but you don't show them any love. And if you did speak to them, it's only so you can congratulate yourselves on how you're not out getting drunk or sleeping around. Now, your parents might appreciate that you're not out getting drunk or getting laid, but that's not evidence of a relationship with them. And if you ignore your family like that, that's tragic. That's what the Pharisee's been doing. He's been keeping rules, like some rules, but ignoring other ones like loving God and loving his neighbours. See, others are only there so he can feel better about himself. Now, outwardly, we can do some good things. It's good that you're here at CU. But if you don't invest in relationship with God... You're not investing in praying to him or getting to know him through his word. What good is that? So you notice the Pharisee doesn't actually ask God for anything. He thinks he's okay, but the tax collector, he realises that he's broken the relationship with God. And so he asks for forgiveness. And Jesus kind of gives us a new paradigm. Paradigm is not good versus bad, but it's about proud versus humble. It says in verse 14, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself would be exalted. There's a quote by an American pastor, Tim Keller, who says this. It says, the gospel is distinct. In his view, everyone is wrong. Everyone is loved. And everyone is called on to recognise this and change. Jesus says, the humble are in and the proud are out. The people who confess they aren't particularly good or open-minded are moving toward God. But the prerequisite for receiving the grace of God is to know you need it. The people who think they're just fine, thank you, are moving away from God. So let me ask you, Where are you putting your trust? If you were to somehow die tonight and God were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Would you say I've been a pretty good person? I'm pretty moral. I come to see you. Do you think that's going to work? No. 
If you were to somehow die tonight and God were ask you, why should I let you into heaven? Here's what I would say. You shouldn't. But I know that Jesus died for me. And I'm trusting in that and in your mercy through Jesus. Because later in this chapter, uh, the end of chapter 18, Jesus, you can have a look at this on the sheet there. Jesus says he's going up to Jerusalem and everything that's written about him in the Old Testament must be fulfilled. He's going to be handed over to the Romans. They'll mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. Jesus was crucified, but his death, it wasn't an accident. He, he came into the world to die. He came to take the punishment that we deserve because none of us have been good enough. None of us meet God's standard. Let me read what the Apostle Paul, who incidentally was a Pharisee at one point, he said this, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, the only one not deserving of punishment from God, the only one who meets God's standard perfectly, he suffered and died so that God's justice could be met and so that mercy could be shown to you and I. Because God cares about our wrongdoing. He cares about the wrongdoing of the tax collector. He cares about the wrongdoing of the robbers, the adulterers, the murderers. He cares about your wrongdoing and my wrongdoing. The times that we've gotten angry and mistreated people. The times we've lied to people and betrayed them, spoken badly about them, failed to love them the times that we've been selfish and self-serving. God cares about all of that. He cares about it. And in Jesus' death, it's been paid for so that God could have mercy on all those who recognise their need for it. You see, it is possible to trust that you're right with God. But it's not because of anything that we have done or will do, but only only because of God's mercy to us in Jesus. So you're going to come to God trusting in yourself, or will you come to him tonight, right now, and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Will you say, God, I don't deserve heaven, no way, but please, please have mercy on me. Please forgive me because of Jesus. Maybe you know that you're not good enough for God. Maybe you've done some things that you're desperately ashamed of and you wonder if God could ever forgive you for that. Well, know this, that no matter what you've done, nothing that you have done is so bad that Jesus' death hasn't covered it. Know that God's provided a way for you to be forgiven and he longs for you to come to him and to ask him for forgiveness. And we also shouldn't be people who make the opposite mistake. God, I thank you, I'm not like the, hypocrite, like the Pharisee, that self-righteous hypocrite who thinks he's better than everyone else. Thanks, I'm not like him. 
That's just as bad, isn't it? Now, we have to come before God completely helpless, throwing ourselves on his mercy, relying on his forgiveness. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not about being good enough for God. It's about being forgiven by God. It's about being humble enough to see that we need God's provision, his mercy. And if tonight you know you've been putting your trust in something other than Jesus' death in your place, can I encourage you to, like the tax collector, realise that your need for mercy from God so that today you might go home right with God because you have no greater need than that. And if you'd like to do that, um, you can come and talk to me or Steve if and when you feel comfortable talking about that. We'd love to talk to you about how you can go home right with God. But finally, if you have put your trust in Jesus, that's not a once-off thing. It's a continual thing. We need to go on continuing to trust Jesus and what that means for our lives. Trusting Jesus means listening to him about how to live our lives, letting him direct us. Because to return to where we started with our story about the wheelbarrow, I think often we want to stick Jesus in the wheelbarrow and push him rather than trusting him and letting him direct our lives. We need to trust him and go on trusting him, listening to his word, having it direct and shape who we are, rather than the other way around. We're going to need his help to do that, so how about I pray? Heavenly Father, we do thank you that even though we all um, live lives and broken, that a broken relationship with you and with each other. Thank you that you send Jesus so that we can be forgiven, that our penalty has been paid. We do pray that you would help us to not only trust him now, but to go on trusting him with our lives. And I pray this in his name. Amen.